Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, we are taking a fresh look at the Ten Commandments and how those Ten Commandments really apply to our lives. I have said from the beginning, this is week number four of the series that we are in, but I have said that uh, the Ten Commandments are not just a list of rules and regulations and laws that God is giving to us. They're far more than that. The Ten Commandments are really about the heart of the believer. I personally have really enjoyed getting into this, digging into this and studying this for myself throughout the week. And I hope that I'm able to communicate that well uh, as we get into God's word uh, here today. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7 for our study today. And if you don't have a Bible or you're not following along on an app, you can follow along with the words on the screen. Here's what Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 through 7 says. It says, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord. Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, that phrase sets the context and the flow of the story for what the Ten Commandments really are. You can't understand the flow of the Ten Commandments unless you understand those lines. God is saying, I'm the one that saved you. I'm the one that set you free. I'm the one that redeemed you. I'm the one that delivered you. I'm the one that rescued you. Therefore, in response to what I have done, I want you to keep these things. I want you to do these things. I want this to be really what governs and guides your hearts. I am the Lord. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I brought you out of the house of bondage. Therefore, Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, what we looked at with that phrase was the message title, Undivided Allegiance. And the question really was this, who will I worship? Whom shall I worship in my life and in my heart? Who is it that you worship? Either God is in your heart or God is not in your heart. Either you have a relationship with him or you don't. That is the fundamental question of who shall I worship? You shall have no other gods before me. God is to be in your heart, to accept him into your life, to accept him as you follow him through life. That was commandment number one. Commandment number two was this. Do not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth below or in the water under the earth. Do not bow down to them. Do not let anyone make you serve them, for I, Adonai, your God, am a jealous God, bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commands, my mitzvot. That was commandment number two. The title of that message was Undiminished Worship, and the question was, who shall I serve? Whom shall I serve? God 
God has come into my life, number one, I have accepted him into my heart, but just because he's in my heart doesn't mean that I'm letting him sit on the throne of my heart or the throne of my life. The question for this becomes, who will I serve? Who will sit on the throne of my life? Who will run the kingdom that is my life? Will it be something else? Will it be myself? Or will God sit on the throne of my heart and on my life? That was a challenge for us last week, and I've heard from many people that they've really wrestled with that idea that it was time for them to surrender it all and let God sit on the throne and for them to quit calling the shots. Today is commandment number three. Today's commandment is this. You must not take the name of Adonai your God in vain, for Adonai will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. Today's title is Untarnished name. And what today is all about is how will I represent the king who sits on the throne of my heart? How will I worship the one who sits on the throne? How will I, how will I serve him and how will I represent him who is sitting on the throne of my heart? Untarnished name, how do I represent him, my king? Let's pray as we dig into this today. Father, we thank you for the privilege of opening your word, of studying your word. And I pray, Lord, for each one here or watching, Lord, that they would come to that place in life where they have said, I want you in my heart, I want to worship you. But it would not stop there, that they would take the next step and say, God, I want you to be king of my life. I'm tired of being king of my own life. I want you to be king, and I want you to sit on the throne of my heart. Lord, as we understand that you're now on the throne, I pray that we would represent you well as you are our king and we are your servants. Father, we thank you for this time that we could share together. We pray for your blessing upon it, for you to teach us your truth, Lord. This incredibly profound statement in a very simple verse that we could easily blow through and not even take seriously. Lord, help us to take this concept and this idea seriously today. Help us, Lord, to never take your name in vain. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, at first, at first blush, the idea of this third command seems very, very simple. It's an easy one to avoid. It's an easy one to not break. I mean, really think about it, right? Just don't swear. That's usually the concept. Just don't swear. Or even more generously understood for those who will indulge in the occasional swear word when they drop something on their toe, just don't do that. Very simple, right? Let's just move on to commandment number four. This one is very simple. Just when somebody cuts you off in traffic, don't swear. Don't use God's name as a swear word. And life is golden. And let's just move on to commandment number four. The problem with that idea is that is an oversimplification of a deep meaning in this word, a deep meaning in this, in this verse. It's more than just saying, oh my God, or it's more than just using God's name as a swear word. It's far more than that. It is far beyond that. We cannot oversimplify the meaning of this verse because there is some incredible significance in what God is telling us. And so 
what I want to do today is I want to walk through and just define four, three or four different words out of this verse to help us understand what God is really saying. And then I want to give you five ways that we do this, that we take God's name in vain today. And that'll be very quick as I go through those five different things that we possibly do to take God's name in vain. So let's understand this from God's perspective. Not our, our perspective. Let's see it from God's perspective as he is giving this command to his followers. The ones he's set free, the ones he's rescued, the ones he's delivered, the ones he has redeemed. What is God's perspective? Well, let's start with a few words. The first word in the statement is this. It is the word you. You. It's an important word in this concept because each one is accountable for our own actions. Each one of us is responsible for ourselves. We are responsible for our choices, our actions, our behaviors. We, each one, will have to give accountability to God. This is not a group thing. This is an individual thing. We will be accountable for God with how we are using his name in our lives how we are using his name. We have to worry ourselves about exercising self-control. We have to have the focus on ourselves and be willing to change ourselves. We have to respond in a, in, in a different way. When we are talking about the one seated on the throne of our hearts, how are you talking about him? How are you talking about your master, your king, and the Lord of your life? So the first word is you. The second word I want you to look at is actually three words. It's the second phrase, must not take. The word must not take is an important word in the Hebrew language and our understanding of this command. The word must not take or the word take is the word in Hebrew, nasah. Now, the word nasa in Hebrew means this. It means to lift up, to bear, to carry, to exalt, or to raise. Literally, it reads this way. You shall not take up the name or you shall not bear the name. Let me give you an example of this. Another way to think about this is when God sits on the throne of your heart, you and I become ambassadors and representatives for him everywhere we go. What we do and what we say tells others something about God. How many of you have had this experience happen to you? You've gone to a store and you were treated very rudely in the store. You had an employee that treated you very rudely. And as soon as that happened, you made the decision, I will never shop there again. How many, show of hands, how many has that ever happened to you? I was treated bad. I will never go back there. That employee is not the store. That employee is a representative of the store. It's a representative of the organization, but because of the way they acted, the way they talked, the way they treated you, they had a negative impact saying to you, I will never go back there. 
because of how they represented the store. Now, the, uh, the opposite of that is just as true. How many of you have gone to a store and you've had an employee who was exceptional? They treated you so well, you felt such customer service that you decided, I will go back there and I will shop there. Even if it's more money, I'm going to go there because of the way that their employees represented That's the idea of taking up the name. The idea of taking up the name is you are an ambassador and a representative for God, and you are telling everybody around you something about God everywhere you go, every way that you talk, every way that you act. You are representing God. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says this, He says, we are therefore ambassadors for Messiah, as though God were making his appeal through us. 1 Peter 2.9, Peter writes this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim, notice that, you may proclaim, speak for the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're an ambassador, you're a proclaimer to everybody around you something about who God is. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes this, therefore, be, in, uh, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love just as Messiah also loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a fragrant aroma. Obscene, coarse, and stupid talk are also out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. How you talk... How you treat others, the words you say, the words you use to those around you tells them something about the God whom you serve. He is on the throne of your heart and you are his representative. You are his ambassador. You're his proclaimer. Okay, let's go to the next phrase. You must not take the name. Don't take the name. What is the name? Now, if you are new here, we spent several weeks last fall talking about the names of God. We talked about who God is. We talked about what God does. We talked about the character that God has. There's a lot of significance in the name of God. But just to summarize Go back and listen if you did not listen to those. But just to summarize, in the Bible, names matter. And in the Bible, names mean something very special. Names communicate something in the Bible, more so than they do today. Let me ask you this question. Do you know what your name means? Do you know what your name means? Do you know what your children's names mean? In our Western culture, parents will often give names to their children based upon maybe a relative or a significant person in their life that they want to name them after, or they will, it's a popularity thing, and it's a popular name, and I like that, or just because I like the way that the name sounds. That's what this idea of naming someone is. In the Bible, it was very different. The word name in the Bible is the Hebrew word pronounced shame. 
Now, the word shame in the Bible, which is the word name, means reputation, fame, glory, memorial, honor, authority, position, and character. The names in the Bible mattered because they described the character of a person. Now, you can wrestle with those things. You can go back and listen to those. You can study them for yourselves. And our names, again, in our culture, don't have the same significance. Usually, names are given, again, because they sound good or they're popular. Um, for example, my name is Aaron, but it's spelled E-R-I-N, which has uh, created turmoil in my life for 50 years of life, almost 51 years. My mom thought it was a nice-sounding name. She didn't put a lot of meaning into it, not a lot of research. My wife's name is the name Jennifer. Now, the name Jennifer is an interesting name as well. She was born during a time, a period now, that was called the, um, it was called the, uh, the Jennifer uh, epidemic. That's what, when she was born. For 14 years straight, the name Jennifer topped the girl's baby name list. Now, most, most moms and most dads didn't really do a lot of research into it. The name is a Welsh name, and it means white wave, which um, maybe describes the Jennifers that you know. They're a white wave. They just destroy everything in their path. I don't know. They're a tsunami. Maybe that's what it is. But anyway, the, most moms just, they like the sound of it. And they didn't know anybody else named Jennifer. And now there are millions of Jennifers because they liked the name. It was a popularity thing. In the Bible, the naming practices were very, very different. In the Eastern culture, names were given describing someone's character and purpose. Let me give an example of this. The word Jacob in the Bible means he who grasps, grasps the heel. And that's who he was. He was the twin grasping the heel of his brother that was born first. It also became synonymous with the idea of deceit and grasping for control. And that's who he was. The word Nabal, we meet him in 1 Samuel. His name meant perverse fool. And that's exactly what he was when he dealt with David and Abigail. You see the name Joshua, that name means Yahweh is salvation. And it represents his character and purpose. And it's, by the way, the root name of the word Jesus or Yeshua, Yahshua. So what, what does the Bible mean when it speaks of the name of God? Well, it speaks of the name of the God, and you could even substitute the word name for the character of the Lord. That's what the name means, the character of the Lord. God's name represents the total sum of his character. He is holy, he is loving, he is just, he is compassionate, he is omnipresent, he is omnipotent, he's sovereign, he's graceful, he's merciful, he is patient, he's infinite, he's good. That's who God is. To pray in the name of the Lord is to pray according to his character. To call upon the name of the Lord is to call upon God's character and ask according to God's character. To be baptized in the name of the Lord is to identify his character with our salvation, our strength, and our, our new identity. So to misuse the name of the Lord is to misrepresent the character of God. 
So to take his name is to misrepresent God's character. So, so here's what some of the, the verses say about this. Psalm 8.1 says, Adonai our Lord, how excellent is your name over all the earth. Psalm 111.9, he has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Let's keep going in this command. Look back at the command. You must, you, me, us, you must not take, must not represent, be an ambassador for the character of God in a vain way. So what is vain? Well, the word vain is the word shav in the, word, in the Hebrew language. And the word shav means emptiness, hollow, worthless, serving, serving no good purpose, amounting to nothingness. Literally, it means do not take up God's name in a dishonoring or worthless manner. Now, in Orthodox Judaism, they avoid saying the name of God at all costs. You will not say the name of God. You won't even write out the name of God. That's not what God is saying. God is not saying don't say his name. God is saying be careful how you represent his name as you are living out your life. Be careful how you represent his character everywhere you go. Be careful how you are showing people the God who sits on the throne of your heart. There's a great example of this in a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 24. Matthew 24, Jesus had just gotten done speaking about the end times. He was telling a parable about the end times, but I want you to notice the gist of this parable. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus is basically talking about a king who is going away or a master who is going away and he's going to take a servant and put him in charge of the master's estate while he's gone. Who then is the faithful and wise servant who the master put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whose master finds him so doing when he comes. Amen, I tell you, his master will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, my master is taking a long time, and he begins to beat his fellow servants, and he eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in two and assign his place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The, the, the parable, really, it's an end times parable, but one of the parallels of it is this. How are you representing the master as the master has gone away? Jesus is in your heart. He's sitting on the throne of your heart, Right? Well, how are you representing him as his ambassador, as the one he has put in charge over whatever he's put you in charge of? How are you representing him? You're not operating for yourself. You're operating in his name, in his character, for his purpose, representing him everywhere you go. Here's my paraphrase of Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Here's my paraphrase of the third commandment. I must not lift up and represent the name 
and character of Adonai, my God, in a dishonoring, worthless, empty, or selfish manner. There will be consequences if I represent him in that way. Do you understand how this is far more than using God's name as a swear word? How this is far more than saying, oh my God, and you should not do those things in that manner? I, I, I think you should absolutely not use the phrase OMG or oh my God. I think you should absolutely not use the phrase of God's name as a cuss word. But that is not what this is talking about. It's talking about how you and I represent him everywhere we go. So that's far beyond a cuss word. It's far beyond coarse joking. It's far beyond obscene talk. It is you are his representative. And how are you coming across to everyone around you? Are you representing him in a way that he would say, good job, I'm pleased with how you represent me. Many of you have kids. Some of your kids will play sports. In some of your kids playing sports, you will have, their, you, you will have your name, your last name, on the back of their jersey. They go into the whatever competition they're in. If it's on the court, maybe it's on the field, maybe they're on an ice rink, and they've got your name on the back as they are acting out on that field, they are representing you. I remember being a, playing on an intramural basketball team. And this was my last game as an intramural basketball player. Uh, I, I, was, I was phenomenal, just so you know. I was just absolutely phenomenal. Could have gone pro, decided not to. No, that's not the case at all. Somebody came up to a, uh, there, there was a, uh, another guy playing on our team. This is, by the way, a church team that, that I'm playing on. And there was one of the guys on our church team, and he was not a great basketball player. It wasn't me. It was somebody else. Not a great basketball player. And he was, like, fouling, but he wasn't doing it purposely. He just wasn't very good. One of the guys from the other team came up and just shoved him because he was angry. I got mad. I'm a pastor, and I walked over to the guy who shoved my teammate, and I shoved him. I got kicked out of the game. <laughs> for and I thought, first of all, I was mad. But secondly, I thought, this is crazy. What am I doing? This is intramural basketball. This is rec center league. And I represented God in a horrible way on this court. And I had to go before God and repent and say, God, I am sorry for representing you in this way. I had to go before my teammates and say, I, I am I'm so sorry because I represented God in a horrible way and I represented my team. Now, I was just offending my, my teammate, but I represented God in a way that I should not have. You ever done that? Ever, ever had that happen? where you've reacted in a way and you come back and say, wait a second, I am a representative for God. I'm his ambassador. What am I doing? See, I hear stories, not just stories that I can share about my own life, but I hear stories about people who are a part of the church. And I will hear stories, breaking my heart stories, that I will hear of them, someone in the church, going into a business, dealing with, dishonestly, 
dealing reprehensibly. And that story comes back to me of how they acted. And I've heard the story before of people saying, you know, if that's how the people at your church act, I'm never going there. And I think this is not about me. It's not about my church. You are a representative of God everywhere you go. And so how you act, how you speak, how you relate to others, how you talk is all a representation of the name and the character of Adonai. This is more than just a cuss word. This is a representative of who God is. So you shall not lift up or represent the name or the character of Adonai, our God, in a dishonoring, worthless, empty, or selfish manner. And if I do, there's consequences because God says that there are consequences that he will bring against us when we do that. In fact, he says that he will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. What is that going to mean? That you're going to be accountable, that you're going to have to answer for. And so be careful how you represent the God who sits on the throne the God who is in your heart that you worship, be careful how you represent him. Five ways that we typically use the name of the Lord in vain, and these will be very quick. Number one, one of the ways that we can use God's name in vain is using God's name to vent my emotions. See, we do this. We can use his name in an angry way. We can use his name to vent our emotions. Would you do that by the way, to any other person in your life, that you would use their name as a word to vent your emotions. Well, that's how we use his name. We use his name to vent our emotions, whether the emotion is anger, the emotion is fear, the emotion is surprise, flippancy, jealousy. Using his name to vent our emotions as a cuss word, angry, using the king's name in that way is using the Lord's name in vain. That's one of the ways. It's a common way. It's a, one of the ways that we think of. There's more, though. Using God's name, not as a way to vent my emotions, but using God's name as a curse word. Now, when I say curse word, I don't mean what we commonly think of as cussing. That's not what a curse word is. Using it to invoke a curse upon someone else in the way that they view God. Let me give you an example. If dads, you're a dad who says, we're going to go to church, we're going to worship God, we are going to be in his word, we are going to follow him. And you say that, and you open up his word, and you read his word, and you try to lead your home in a godly way, but you're a jerk at home. You're hurtful, you're angry, you're shaming, you're demeaning. You have taken the name of God and you have made it a curse word in the eyes of your children. And your children will grow up and they will say, I want nothing to do with a God like that because you have turned God's name into a word of curse. Does that make sense? When we take God's name and we do things in God's name, and we say we are a Christian, but we really are representing God in a way that drives people from God, we have used his name in a curse word way. Not cussing, but you have invoked a curse. You have damaged God in their eyes. You have represented him 
badly. That's using his name as a curse word. So beware of that. Beware that your, your character represents who God is. Allow God to work on your heart. Allow God to sit on your throne and represent him in a godly way. Number three, using God's name for my own gain. You ever use God's name for your own gain, using it as a way to uh, get a pass, using it as a way to get out of something, using it as a way to get something? I have seen this all throughout my ministry. Uh, I've been in ministry over 20 years now, and I've seen televangelists come and go. And they use God's name, send me money, send me, send me your gifts, and I will pray for you, and you will be prosperous, and you will, get, you will be blessed beyond imagination. Send me, send me your stuff. And they are using it in a way that is for their own personal gain. They are using God in order to buy the next Learjet. They're, they're using God's name to buy the next house, to use, use God's name to buy the next, uh, the next fa- uh, one, wonderful car and, and great clothes. And they are using God's name in a way that is horrible representation of who he is. But it's not just them. We can easily do that as well. We can use God's name in a way that's going to get us something. It's going to get us an advantage. It's going to get us some benefit in life. And that is not how we are to use God's name. We are to represent God well. Number four, using God's name to justify my actions. Using God's name to manipulate, control, and convince others that I am coming in the name of God. God told me this, and you had better step in line because God told me this, thus says the Lord. I read this, God spoke to me, I know this, and so you need to do this because God told me. Well, God maybe didn't tell you, and you're maybe reading something into that, and maybe you're not really hearing from God at all, but you're using God's name in a way to get your own way, to justify your own actions. We, we can easily do this. We can convince ourselves that this is God's will when it's not God's will at all. God has nothing to do with this. Whether you move to a place, take a different job, marry a different person, most often it's not God telling me to do this. It's, this is what I want. And I'm going to use God's name to justify what it is that I want to accomplish. Number five, last one using God's name in a way that will bring dishonor on him or on his character. Again, being a Christian, so Christian, but really being a jerk. Being a horrible representative for him. The name of God, we shall not take the Lord's name in vain, is not, again, the cuss word that can be part of it. It's how you represent him every day of your life. How do you represent him? The closing question, and I've had a question each of the uh, two weeks prior to this, but today's question is this, are you representing the king well in your life? So, so when you go home, is your marriage good because you are representing the king well in your marriage? It may not be everything that you selfishly want, but you know it's what God wants and you're submitting yourself to God and you're representing him in your marriage. With your children, 
Are your children getting a wonderful view of who God is because you are representing God's will, uh, God well as you raise your children or you raise your grandchildren? They're learning to love the Lord their God. They're learning to follow him. Or are you driving them away from God? Are you representing God well when you go to work? Do you just join in with the obscene talk and the coarse joking and, and acting the way that they all do and talking about the things that everybody else does and laughing at the things that everybody else does? Are you representing him well? Or are you different? Are you seeing yourself as an ambassador for him when you go to your job? When you play rec center basketball, are you a better representative? Maybe than I demonstrated that one time. The hundred other times, by the way, were phenomenal, but that one time was bad. Think about it. You play sports. Are you a good representation, an ambassador for him on the field? Are you a, are you a good representation for him in your school? Are you a good ambassador for him at the college? Are you a good ambassador for him in any hobby that you do? Not taking the Lord's name in vain is about being the representative for God in every aspect of my life, not representing him bad, lifting up his name, not using his name in a selfish way, but making sure I recognize and look at him as the king who sits on the throne of my heart. The question, are you representing the king well in your life? Let's pray as we, begin, uh, as we close. Father, be with us now as we as we just leave this place. And I pray, Father, that we would be wonderful ambassadors for you everywhere that we go, that the words that we say, that the attitude and the actions of our hearts, that the way that we interact would bring honor and praise and glory to you. Help us to never be a horrible representation for you. Help us, Lord, to never take your name in vain to never take your character and drag it through the mud, to never drive people away from you, but always be bringing people closer to you. Father, we thank you for today. Teach us, convict us, and help us to walk in your grace. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.